helping clients meet their financial goals and prepare for the future. Schroders actively and responsibly manages investments. The world is forever changing, and we understand the need to adapt and evolve in line with what matters most to our clients. So right now, what's the strongest theme running through your through, uh, portfolios, metrics portfolios? <laughs> a lot of portfolios there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of portfolios. Um, we, 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 we try and keep diversified. So having one particular theme is generally a problem for us in portfolios because you, you don't necessarily know what will, what will work in the future. Um, that said, I think probably the most sensible one is, is kind of the theme of, you know, what company is going to survive um, going forward. So um, you have kind of two strategies. Your passive will invest in everything um, and you get sort of safety from being broadly exposed. And then your active manager, which is a lot more sort of select in terms of um, whether it's you know, fixed income uh, or equities or uh, whatever other asset class is trying to sort of select. Um, and the message we've been getting from my active managers is that, you know, they're looking for um, companies that they think will survive. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean only supermarkets or utilities where the revenue forecasts are actually sort of going up um, over this, this time horizon. It also means they're investing in um, some of the more troubled sectors, but the sort of the, the champion of those sectors. So the really uh, strong performers. So Ryanair, for example, you know, in airlines, which, you know, is a, one of those sort of like <gasps> type uh, investments at the moment. But, you know, the idea is just that unless you think um, no one is going to fly ever again, um, and no one. This one's is what Warren Buffet seems to think, anyway. Yeah, and um, you know, um, it, it wasn't great timing um, in terms of um, when he he sold the airlines. Um, that's it. He has got a lot of other things right in his life. So um, <laughs> quite a few. Yeah, quite a few. Um, but yeah, I think that survival is kind of the the key theme. I I I, I think we we're quite happy that sort of running through the portfolios. You know, focusing on those companies which have the strong balance sheets so we can survive. Um, the uncertainty that we are going through at the moment. Uh, hey, do you do, uh, have your portfolios, have the main themes running through your portfolios changed at all compared to pre-crisis levels, well, pre-crisis allocation? Yeah, so they changed quite a lot. I mean, um, clearly we took all of the cook protection off. We haven't, we haven't put that back on because um, applied levels of volatility are too high at the moment. Um, we are planning to put back in place the tail protection too. Um, but again, we haven't we haven't done that we haven't done that yet. In terms of the, the areas that we sort of rotated portfolios into, we were we were buying things like um, European dividends. So a lot of the stuff that we actually we've done many times um, previously. But um, obviously there were concerns that companies were never going to pay dividends again, ever at one point, and um, obviously that's not going to be the case. So we were buying sort of future entitlements to European dividends in 2022, 2023. Those debates have performed very well. Um, we also started buying um, some more areas like value. Value obviously has been distressed for a long time, but became even more distressed. Um, so in the short term, that's worked quite well. And some of the other areas um, which we've taken profits on, we have um, a healthcare theme running through portfolios. Mm. Uh, now that performed obviously very well over a short time period, not for the reasons we invested, um, but um, so we took some profits in that as well, and and we've we've more recently we've been starting to to increase our weightings back into some of the more esoteric fixed income asset classes. So increasing weights in cocos, uh, buying Asian debt, um, um, and again we're starting to we do that all of those things in a gradual fashion. But um, but you know I think the key thing, it's quite 
it's quite easy to forget that you're investing for the long term as well when people are panic buying toilet rolls and so on. Um, but on a five-year view, um, you know, a lot of asset classes still look really, really attractive fixed income and to fit the um, real life at the moment. And Sakista? So uh, the strongest themes probably were, um, I, I'd say, because we still uh, don't, we don't discount completely uh, a possibility of a second correction, uh, whilst the, obviously lots of sort of a positive sentiment is coming back to the market. Uh, so overall, our uh, portfolio and our uh, views are sort of although they're much more optimistic, but I would say they're sort of like cautiously optimistic. So we have this uh, a barbell approach. So we, uh, we favor defensive uh, growth sectors. So um, again, we're coming back to, that, to our US allocation. This is where we add it a bit more. And then also uh, in, in, in this sell-off sort of based on the valuations, we've been uh, concentrating a bit more flows into this beaten down, very cheap sort of uh, highly cyclical place um, on economic recoveries uh, within the commodity exposed EM uh, emerging markets. Um, so, sort of the, if you look across all our portfolio across sort of the different um, the asset classes, then majority of our sort of risk is concentrated within our equity. Within bonds, um, we still, uh, although we did uh, in April, we took down uh, sort of clipped our government bond exposure. Uh, we're now slightly underweight relative to our neutral stance. It's uh, it's it's still sort of a, a big allocation within our portfolio. So we, we haven't reduced it completely. Um, uh, but we had an underweight to uh, to the corporates, to credit. So we didn't have um, an explicit allocation to high yield, for example. So uh, as, as uh, the valuations changed and, and, and sort of we've seen those amazingly wide spreads in the corporate bond markets, uh, we went uh, uh, into the investment grade. And because as, as I was saying that we're trying to keep all our risk exposures within our equity, within bond allocation, we still wanted to take um, opportunities. So we were adding to the investment grade. We're still um, not there yet in terms of our, uh, on a sort of a risk on risk off uh, scale, so we are not adding to things like high yield, for example. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and Chris, is there anything specifically running through portfolios now as a central theme? Uh, I would agree with what Nick said, actually. That's very much a similar similar theme for us in terms of um, the destruction of capital here is going to be quite different to 2000, post-2008. Um, I think those those business models, which really only survive on the on, the, on a, a very low cost of capital, um, don't make any sense in 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 terms of um, a from a P and L perspective. So are, are going to essentially, I think, going to disappear. So um, focus on quality, focus on uh, that uh, repeatable stream of cash flows, that kind of thing. That's that's. In, uh, as Nick said, that is the principal theme that's running through our portfolio. It doesn't mean that we're only buying the, um, the growth stocks that have been the darlings of the last 10 years, because we think many of those are at very high valuations. And, um, and actually, you're, from an asymmetry perspective, I think your risk reward there is it's quite skewed to the downside. 
So, uh, but like like they said, our, ma our managers are finding some really interesting opportunities in some uh, in other sectors and other companies, which are trading at significant discounts to fair value, um, and 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 they are, you know, I think from that perspective, they're good quality companies who will get through this, and I think they will be the the winners. And and Justine, let's hear from you. Yeah, so there's a there's a definite common theme, which is which is great to hear that we we maintain that approach to develop uh, investing in defensive companies, sustainable businesses, strong free cash flows. Uh, there's a quality bias within our portfolios. There is an asymmetry that we see as well between growth and value. Um, yeah, that's in summary, that's where we stand as well. There is also this strong ESG theme coming through the crisis and, and it's deep to be the next big winner after uh, we emerge from it. Is that something that has changed for you in terms of how you allocate? Is it a greater consideration now, especially, you know, during the coronavirus crisis or is that attention that ESG is getting a bit more more superficial? I'm sure everybody now has some type of ESG portfolio or, or part of portfolios are invested in that area, but has this changed for you during or as a result of the coronavirus crisis, uh, Chris? Um, that's an interesting question because uh... I think everybody's applying in some form of ESG screening to their equity process. And it makes sense because any company that isn't essentially sustainable um, is, is probably going to underperform a company that is sustainable in the terms of you, you, know, you want to have those um, sustainable free cash flows. Um, but, and I think the, the recent performance of ESG is, was more of a function of uh, the, the sector bias of those, companies in the sense that they are were defensive companies rather than cyclical companies mm. so i think it's it's wrong to use the um the recent performance as a as a signal of the appetite for esg uh in itself but i do think as i say i think that esg will be applied broadly to all equity selection and that the it, it is a it is a growing area of interest for our clients um, but actually, given the performance recently, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if actually if ESG specific portfolios underperform, um, if we see an economic recovery, because they simply don't own the companies that um, would benefit the most from that scenario. But has, so, has it become a bigger consideration for you in, in your portfolios? Yeah, I'd, um, it, I'd say we, we don't, we do, we invest via fund of funds um process in, in, our, in our main portfolios, uh, but we do run a direct equity strategy and the direct equity strategy has, a, um, has developed a sustainalytics approach to um, ESG in, in the selection process. So it, it is a factor and I think all investment managers that we speak to are essentially using ESG criteria as one of the uh, fundamental, in, in their fundamental uh, approach to um to selecting a stock uh, nick you have some um sustainable portfolios but so where where do you stand on this uh issue yeah so <laughs> um 
think it all depends on how you define the different sort of um, the spectrum of sustainability, I suppose okay, you could call it. Let's just say that um, I'm now using ESG as a general term to cover all because we mm. cannot fall into the debate of terminology. No, we'll, no, exactly. It will be 2021 and, and we, we will be talking still. <laughs> so I, can, I can keep it relatively simple. So we want all of the managers we use to factor in ESG considerations, to integrate it into the investment process because we just think it's sensible if you're deciding on buying a company um, to look at what its environmental impact is, what its social impact is, how well it's run, the governance impact of it, um, and then consider those risks um, in whether you buy that company or not, uh, or the security, the, the bond of that particular company or not. Um, and that's what we want all of our managers to do. It doesn't necessarily mean they can't have an oil company because um, they would need to factor in the risks associated with that particular um, oil producer, but you know it, everything has a price. Um, and they might decide that actually that outweighs the, um, um, the sort of environmental concerns um, for that particular producer. So that's what we want all our managers to do um, through our main portfolios. Um, and then we also have a separate set of portfolios where um, it's further along the sort of sustainability spectrum. And there they are looking for specifically um, companies that are sustainable in the sense that their activity has a net positive benefit to um, society and the environment, people and the planet. Um, and there's some exclusions on those um, those um, um, yeah, within those funds as well on, on what actually has, has the coronavirus crisis changed your perception or the the importance of ESG for you or do you think it, it's you know it was always like that but coronavirus no, think, for some I reason highlighted. Happening, I think that was happening before um, coronavirus. I think there was a you know this is I think people are becoming a lot more aware of um, this other dimension of investing. Um, and that there are, you know, uh, risks and, you know, ESG is a lens, you know, I think a good active manager was looking at these issues anyway. Um, but now it's becoming a little bit more formalized. Um, I think certainly, you know, to Chris's point, there is an acceleration because, um, there's been some really great performance by those that are more sustainable, the, the sort of further along that spectrum, because they've avoided, uh, oil companies, which obviously had a horrendous march, um, and um, they've avoided things like banks, which also haven't had a good crisis. Um, they are also, they, even beyond that, they tend to be more sort of, um, they have a sort of a growth tilt to them. Mm. Um, again, because you are sort of investing in um, the sort of the technologies and products of the future, and they, they are necessarily you know, growing quite strongly. And that's been a, a factor that's really um, um, worked well. Um, actually for a long time, but particularly um, 2020 to date. So um, I, I, would, I would say that, you know, from a portfolio metrics point of view, we, it hasn't really changed our perception per se. I think we were kind of um, trying to get our, our ducks in a row in terms of what we were doing. We've just, you know, revamped our responsible investment policy. Um, but it's certainly been interesting from a sort of a, um, a performance perspective because it's it has highlighted some of the characteristics of um, you know sustainability focused portfolios and and, and, and impact investing um, portfolios um, and some of those those factors that are inherent in them and highlighted that um, um, those characteristics you know um, can actually help drive the portfolio as well. Uh, so Justine, have you? Are you increasing at all ESG allocations as a result of the coronavirus crisis? Uh, I think you're muted. Sure. 
we we're not we're not increasing our ESG allocations as a result of the Corona crisis. We we were positioned. I mean, our strategy is to invest naturally in defensive, sustainable businesses, which naturally have an ESG criteria. So we don't, we haven't historically, or within the last eighteen months, for sure, invested in tobacco companies, generally oil, financials. Um, we do we do use sustainalytics, like uh, they like uh, Chris mentioned, as a as an probably a second layer from an investment process perspective. But um, yeah, naturally, I think our portfolios are within the ESG mindset for investors, but hasn't changed over the period. Is that, is that 7am feel the same, um, Haig, have, or has coronavirus kind of accelerated your endorsement of the, of the field? Not so much. I mean, I think it's been something which has been building for some time now. I mean, I agree with Nick, there's a degree of pro-cyclicality in a lot of the ESG stocks. Um, and also the other advantage at the moment you have is obviously um, the, the things that are not ESG like oil companies have performed particularly poorly. So optically, um, everything's, everything's favouring ESG. I think what we are noticing though is that um, the clients are becoming more discerning about ESG and the whole issue of greenwashing um, is, you know, is very you know, prevalent at the moment. And if you're going to do this, you need to do it properly. So, um, you know, so we, you know, we've massively enhanced our resource. Um, we obviously sign up to the PRI um, and it's something you really need to embed in your process from the, from, from the bottom up to do it properly. Um, so I don't think it's going away. And if anything, we're going to see the environmentalist site enforced um, with all of their uh, maps showing how um, unpolluted the cities have been during lockdown. So um, whether the government can fund a lot of these initiatives to make cities clean and so on is, an, is another thing, given given how much debt they're running at the moment. But it's certainly here to stay and, um, you know, just a groundswell of growing opinion from, from the underlying clients too, I'd say. And Shakista, has a... Has the crisis changed your view of, of ESG at all or your allocations? Uh, no, actually, we are on, I, I, Brent Dolphin is on the same page, I think, as uh, I would agree with points Justin made and Nick and uh, Chris. Um, just basing your allocation to ESG strategies on the short-term performance that we've seen so far, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's very prudent or an intelligent thing to do. And there's obviously, there've been uh, lots of factors that driven this performance. Uh, and I don't want to discount at, at all that ESG overall sort of a long-term uh, will, um, <clears throat> will be enhancing the performance and uh, viability of the companies. Uh, but over short-term, we uh, sort of, we, with COVID, it sort of overshadowed everything what was going on with the oil price. And, and we know that ESG funds tend to either have a zero allocation to energy sector, for example, or just have a very limited allocation. So basing our investment decision on a, such a short-term pe period and performance, I think um, yeah, it's not something we would do. But the ESG theme um, has been running and has been important for us uh, for some time now. And uh, we've... Um, uh, I would say we, we weren't sort of the pioneers in this field at all. Uh, we've only sort of um, developed and completed, sort of formed our philosophy on how we want to approach our ESG investments fairly recently. So, um, and uh, 
uh, we believe that this uh, this will become at some point um, uh, like governance, for example, uh, which was introduced in the, in the 90s, and then now it just became sort of the uh, an, a necessary uh, part of the investment process. And the same way we view ESG, it will just become incorporated into the investment processes across all asset uh, asset managers, across all wealth managers. It will become a part a part sort of of the selection of a good companies because it's just makes sense if the company uh, has a good governance, if the company operates with a regard to the environment uh, within each, it's, it's also benefits from that environment. And also if, they, if its uh, social markers are all positive and good and it uh, considers and take into account the interest of its, all its stakeholders and including employees, it just naturally should be a better performing company. So definitely that's um, that's not something that's been triggered by the COVID crisis. Or of the, um, it, it's a, it, it's something that we've been working on for the last uh, sort of uh, for uh, for a significant time, and it's uh, something that we think will continue and become a, sort of a part of our investment process. Schroders is built on 200 years of experience and expertise. We partner with our clients, constructing innovative products and solutions across private assets and alternatives, solutions, mutual funds, institutional and wealth management. By combining our commitment to active management and focus on sustainability, our strategic capabilities are designed to deliver positive outcomes. With over 5,000 talented staff across 35 locations, we are able to stay close to our clients and understand their needs.